Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of the Connected Adventist Podcast. My hope and my desire is that you are inspired as we look at how we are connected with the Holy Spirit, how we are connected within Adventism, but most importantly, how we are connected with the world. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Connected Adventist Podcast. I am all by myself. So welcome back to another episode of just listening to me for the next 30 minutes. So, but hey, that might be an advantage or maybe it's not depending if if an hour is what you've been enjoying so far. um, We're going to take it back down maybe to another half hour episode because I'm by myself. So when I have uh, Charlie with me, we tend to go a little long. Um, But you're lucky because if I kept recording, you would end up with a three hour podcast. So we do have to cut our time. and restrict it just for the purpose of, yeah, not not making a three-hour episode. Uh, but today's episode is something that I was impressed with. So I suppose it's a Holy Spirit um, episode, but also it's a Holy Spirit Advent um, Adventism um, episode as well. Uh, just because I suppose what God showed me is very um, applicable to the church, actually, as I was... I was shown this, it really, uh, yeah, God was like, man, that's for the church. So um, I'll, I'll explain a little bit. So we have two dogs. We have two blue English staffies. And my husband was the one that really wanted the dog. And so we had, we had the female first. And I told him, I do not want another thing that I have to take care of. I've I'm I've had I've got enough we're between the two kids and the rest of the stuff that I do so I said I do not want a dog to to have to be worried about so he said no that's fine I'll look after the dog and it's funny because a lot of people said to me of course he says he's going to look after the dog he'll look after the dog for a week and then I'll be stuck with it but no he has been very very good and has looked after that dog to the point where when um, he goes and travels away for work, I forget to feed the dog because I just forget that we have a dog that needs to be fed. Um, so yes, Stevie has done very well in looking after that dog. So I, but the the disadvantage, I suppose, to that, oh, and then later on we decided to get a boy. So now we have two. So we have male and a female uh, staffy. The problem with that, though, is that those dogs don't really respect me too much because I'm I'm just not involved in their lives, obviously. Uh, they just are like, who are you again? Um, so, yeah, as a result, they don't really listen to me as much as they listen to Stevie. And if they have to pick between listening to him or listening to me, they'll choose to listen to Stevie. Uh, it's a little bit like the dynamics I have with my children. Um, it's just on the flip side. But, yeah, so I decided... I've gone through a little bit of a rough period. Um, to be honest, I I just tell you I I was quite depressed. Um, so anyway, we're trying to snap ourselves out of that. Um, and as a result of this period of depression, I stopped working out. Um, and prior to that, I was working out at least an hour a day, uh, five days a week. So I was very active, and then I just went to absolutely nothing. So I'm trying to get myself back into that routine. And just this week, I've actually been able to start working out again. Um, But for the past maybe two or three weeks since my sister-in-law left, because we would go on walks together, I decided I would keep going on walks. So I would wake up and I would take one of the dogs on a walk with me. Um, And we're in 
a rural area in Queensland. So I just take my dog off the lead. She goes into people's paddocks. Um, she really can do whatever she wants. Um, but while I was walking with her, there were so many lessons that God gave me as I'm taking her on this walk, which was quite interesting because I don't really have much to do with the dogs. Um, I did more with the female just because when she was a puppy, you know, we had to take care of her a little bit more and I was a little bit soft. So I wanted her inside the house while she was a puppy where Stevie was like, nah, she'll be fine outside. But um, managed to convince Stevie to keep the dog inside during that period. Um, so yeah, so we probably have a bit more of an attachment with her than I do with the male dog. So we're going for a walk and I wanted to share with you just the different lessons that I learned with how I could get her to walk with me, how I could get her to listen to me, but at the same time, how I could let her to just do her own thing and I just didn't have to worry about it. Uh, one of the biggest things that I I realized is that the dogs are very, they're tone sensitive and many of these tips are so relatable to parenting. So God also convicted me on a parenting side as well. Um, so when when my dog knew that she was in trouble, so the first few days that I took her out, my natural impulse was just to start going off at her. Um, and so she'd, she'd run off and she'd start going too far into a paddock or if I could see that there were horses in, in, at the front of a property, then I would obviously try and get her to stay with me. Um, so as she's going too far and I can tell she's just doing her thing right now and she's not interested in listening to me at all, I would just yell at her, but in a very aggressive um, kind of way. And it just would not, it just wouldn't attract her attention. It just wouldn't snap her out of that. I'm roaming and I'm going to go do my own thing. And, you know, she just got into this animal mode. But as soon as I would speak to her softly and gently, and I'd be like, hey, Nana, come, come, come. As soon as I went to that high pitched kind of noise, um, it would snap her out. She would just stop wherever she was and she would look back at me and she'd look at me like, what's going on? And as I kept calling her to come for me and telling her that she's a good girl, come here, she would just come to me. And I knew she was already focused on, I'm going to, you know, go into that bush or I'm going to go, you know, go and see what that horse is up to. Um, but yeah, just the tone made a big difference. As soon as she knew she was in trouble, she just ignored it. But when she felt that I was going to be nurturing and caring and I was actually affirming her and telling her that she was a good girl and a good dog, um, yeah, she actually lost focus of what she was trying to do, which obviously was the wrong thing because we're supposed to be walking together um, and she's not supposed to be roaming on people's properties like that. Um, it just snapped her out. It actually drew her back to me. Um, and that was one of the one of the lessons that I learned. And as we apply that for our church, and as we apply that within leadership, I think that we have to um, just consider the fact that how we approach members or how we approach people on our team, when maybe something isn't going in the right direction, maybe something feels like it's going into like dangerous territory or even if there's a concern or maybe in hind, you know, with our hindsight, we can see that the direction of something is going in the path that, you know, maybe 
you know, might affect the church, may affect a person or an individual. Um, the tone um, can make a big, big difference as to how that person receives the information that you are sharing with them. Um, I have spoken with, um, I've spoken with some people and I mean, I just love the mind. I love the human mind and psychology and all that sort of stuff. And I've spoken with some people and when we have, when we have sat down and just tried to dig deep into certain things that have happened in their life and all that sort of stuff, a lot of the time, a lot of the pain and, um, maybe the guardedness that people have built up with certain individuals often has been not necessarily what they did or how they did it, but it was how they said it. Um, even within the church, uh, when I have spoken with people who have been damaged uh, because of what people have said to them or done to them at church, a lot of the time, most actually most of the time, the people agreed with what the person was saying. They just were hurt and offended and felt attacked by the way that it was done. Whether it was brought up in a business meeting, whether they were singled out, uh, whether, you know, a person instead of coming directly to them went and spoke to other people and other people came in. Um, a lot of the time, people don't have an issue with what was said. Most of the time, people agree. You know, whatever it was that was brought up, they agree with with the with the the point that they're sharing, they just felt offended and attacked by the way that they said it. So tone and how we word things makes a big, big difference. I know some people are very short and blunt and that's fine. I understand that that's how people's personality is. You can tell someone, um, you know, whatever. I'm trying to give you some random example of maybe something that would happen in a church. Um, you can tell someone, hey, you left the doors unlocked. Why were those doors left unlocked? You were the last person here. You were supposed to be responsible for leaving all of this locked. Or you can say, hey, I just realized that this week I came in and some of the doors were left open. We really have to be careful because it actually is, you know, a security breach. We have some expensive equipment that could go missing. So, yeah, can I just give you a heads up to just double check your doors before you leave? makes a big difference it's the same point I'm still stressing the fact that you know you need to lock the doors but we, the way that you word it just comes off so much more gentle and not so aggressive that people will be like oh yes sorry you know my bad let me let me remember to to make sure that I do that and um yeah, with certain things, we need to just remember how we express that and be very sensitive to people because we don't know how people are going to respond until they respond. And then when they respond, you can't take that back. You can't change it. You can't You can't be like, oh, sorry, let me reword all of that and say it with a little bit of sugar infused in all of that because um, the damage is done. And with some people, that damage cannot be reversed. Um, I know that there was... There was a story um, at our Jinjin church maybe about 20 years ago um, of a young guy who came to church in jeans. Um, and given the way that our church is, it's a very conservative church, a very traditional church. Um, not Advent, Adventist churches aren't like that in general now. So there has been a big church cultural change. But, you know, this young guy 
just because of that, never came back again. Because uh, someone approached them and said to them, why are you wearing jeans to church or something along those lines? And um, I don't think the issue was what was said. It was how it was said uh, to this particular young guy. Uh, so, yeah, keep that in mind as, as we as we work with individuals, as we work with volunteers. Everyone at church is a volunteer. Um, so we have to be sensitive um, to appreciate the work that they do do um, and to make sure that the way that we speak to them is in, in a in a kind, gentle way. Um, they're not our slaves. They're not our employees and that are wasting our money and our resources. They're volunteers. Um, and even within employed workers, let us still have respect. Let us still be Christ-like. I, I believe, I could just do a whole episode on this. I believe that even our employed workers are often abused purely because they receive a paycheck. I think some church members feel like it is um, their duty to get the conference's money's worth and make sure that they're, you know, living up to the standard of what their wage and what their paycheck, um, yeah, is supposed to be. And I think, yeah, we do a real big, big, um, we do massive amount of damage uh, when we treat our employed workers like that. Because trust me, all of our employed workers could go work for someone else. They could get much better pay and they could be doing a line of work within the worldly um, environment, but they choose to serve Christ and they choose to serve us as church members. Um, so we, we really need to protect them and we need to also treat them with a high amount of respect um, because of the fact that they have left the the possibility of fulfilling a worldly career to serve God and to serve our church. And, and that takes a lot of commitment. A lot of church members don't make that kind of commitment. Um, they continue with their normal careers and pursue an education in, in like just different fields of work that actually have nothing to do with service for the church. Um, so they've made a huge commitment and, and we should have respect for them. Um, not that we let them get away with anything. I'm not saying that either, but it's about how we approach them and then keep it in, keep in mind that these people are serving Christ. Um, and yeah, it's not our responsibility to look after God's money. God will look after his money. So that was one lesson. And the other lesson that I learned, uh, which was, yeah, it was quite funny because, uh, I suppose my okay. I'm gonna let you in on on my on my childhood a little bit. My dad was very controlling. He was very um, strict. He was very demanding. He was very yeah. The guy the guy really liked things done a certain way. And welcome to the issues of um, yeah family is that. I have also taken that on a lot and, and with my children, yes, I'm pretty strict. I'm a little controlling, <laughs> a little controlling. Let me say little just to make myself feel better. But yes, I, in my mindset, I have taken on a lot of the way that my dad parented and God is definitely trying to change me and trying to help me to be very mindful of not making the same mistakes that my dad made. So I'm working on that. For those who know me personally, I'm working on that. Um, but yeah, so what I found when I took our dog for a walk 
deep down inside, I'm like, okay, let me just put the lead on her. That way I don't have to worry about telling her to come here, stop that, come back. I just can really control her by she's on my lead. But then I just don't like that. I, I really... I'm impressed by people who can take their dogs for a walk without a lead and the dog just listens. The dog just obeys. Um, I don't think we could ever do that with our dogs as soon as they, I mean, everyone knows Staffies. Staffies are like little affection freaks. Um, as soon as they see someone, they want like pats and attention and, and a cuddle and a belly rub. So Staffies are very like that. Um, but anyway, I don't think we could get away with walking down like a normal street with our dogs because they're just a little bit hyper and we just haven't trained them for that um but I decided now I'm gonna take I'm gonna take my dog for a walk and she's not gonna be on the lead so I, I let her go and I noticed that by the second week I could let her go and she would get further and further away from me but it wasn't until she got to a certain distance that I would call her back. And, and it was pretty far. It was a decent distance. So I would call her back and I would call her with my high tone, my high pitch. I'd be like, Nana, come back. Yeah, good girl. You know, that kind of thing. And she would come back. She would come back. She'd come back to me. And she would look at me like, are you going to give me a pat? Are you going to give me a scratch? So I would give her a scratch. I'd pat her on the back, scratch her head, and then I'd just let her go. And I'd be like, good girl. And we'd keep walking. And then she'd go again, make that big dis leave a big distance in between her and I. And once I, again, I'm like, oh, she's getting too far. So I'd call her back. She'd come back. She'd look at me. Where's my pat? Where's my scratch? Give her a pat. Give her a scratch. And we just continued to do this. Um, and the the leadership lesson that God gave me with that is that Within a week, we had built enough of a bond, enough of a relationship, enough of a trust. I had changed my way of approaching her. I wasn't being aggressive with her anymore and just being like screaming out and yelling out at her. Um, I'd calmed down a little bit in how I approached her and she learned to trust me as well, just the way that I was speaking to her and the way that I was, I suppose, treating her. So within this, by the second week, we now have built this relationship that the dog can actually go quite a far distance ahead of me. And when I need to come back, she'll come back. So the lesson I got out of that is that when we are working with people within the church, once we have learned how to work with them, and the way that I work with one person is very different to how I work with another person. Um, as, as I have worked through different churches, there are people who um, they prefer to work under someone's guidance and direction. They're happy for you to say, hey, could you do this layout? Hey, could you organize for this to be done? Hey, I've got this event. Can we organize for this and that and whatever? And then there are other people who you can just give them the vision and they will fulfill it. I can say to another person, I can say, hey, we have to organize um, a kid's outreach and they will go with it. They will work it out. They will come back with all the ideas and they will come to me and present what they have. So whatever, once we have that, that discernment as a leader or as a church member or as just a general human being, when we can, once we can have that discernment of assessing how to approach each person in a way that best suits them 
that will complement the way that they work, we can then actually begin to create distance, but that distance actually creates freedom and liberty. No one feels like anyone is controlling anyone. No one feels like I have to control or that I am being controlled. There is this this idea of, hey, hey guys, we have um, whatever. I'm I'm just do a lot of stuff with kids, but so that's why all my ideas are coming with kids. Um, let's organize a kids club. What what's the structure? What do you want to have in that kids program? How are we going to do it? Then you can give them distance and freedom and liberty to come up with ideas. And when you feel like, hey, let's get back together and let's see where this thing is going, give them a pat, give them a scratch, um, affirm them on the work that they've done. I know for me, and oh, I'm so terrible at this. I'm very critical. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna just yeah, blame it back to my parents. But I'm very critical, and it's very hard for me to compliment people. Um, yeah, a friend of mine is just very encouraging. She's so motivating. She just is very good at um, giving people confidence in areas that maybe she can tell this is a little bit too deep for them, but she just with her words can just encourage and uplift people. And Charlie's the same. Uh, Charlie's very encouraging with her words. So I know that God is trying to change that type of mindset because the first thing is when you bring people back as a meeting, you know, we've brainstormed, we've got ideas, come back is, I don't like that. That should be changed. Stop. Let's stop doing it like that. Let's do it this way. And so I naturally want to criticize first and yeah, God help me with that. But yeah, I've realized that just like my dog, when I called her back just to bring her back into line back to my side, back to creating that, hey, we're working together. All she desired was a pat and a scratch. So let us remember also that when we when we get back together as a team, when we've called in our youth leader who has been doing whatever program they've been doing, we call them back and be like, hey, so what have you been up to? How's it been going? Um, how did that, that youth event work? Make sure that we keep in mind to affirm them. First, let us pull out all the good stuff let us be like you did so well I really like that idea um that's really different that's so out there I love how you are thinking outside the box to accommodate for the youth um if you know um the deaconess the head deaconess um at our church has made some big changes and I just continually I'm telling her all the positive about that and when there is a concern, yeah, of course, we share it. We're a team, so I'm part of the Deaconess team, so we will share any concerns that we have. But once we have let people go, we've given them that liberty of freedom. Once we've built up enough of a relationship with them to trust that God will guide them in whatever else that they choose to do, um, when we can come, when we come back, we can actually... Yeah, trust that we're all going in the same direction. Prayer will always take us in the same direction. The Holy Spirit will work like that. Um, so yeah, once we, we get back together, let us affirm each other, encourage each other, motivate each other um, to keep doing the work that we're doing. Um, another tip and another leadership lesson that I learned um, as well as I took my dog for a walk is that with time, Nena, my dog, is walking further and further away from me. 
And it's a little hard when you are a very like controlling kind of personality, um, when you like to oversee things because the distance and the more that my dog is further away from me, the more that in my head I'm like, is she going to come back? Is she going to do that? So yeah, the more that we work with people and the more that we keep them in prayer and the more that we can see how they're working in different areas, we can actually give them even more liberty than what we had. Let that liberty grow. Let that freedom go. Um, let them experience and grow um, in the areas that God has called them to minister because uh, that is really important um, for our personal growth um, as a leader, but also it helps to strengthen them so that they can see their leadership qualities and their leadership value. Um, and yeah, it will strengthen them for the future. So giving people that distance, giving them the option of, of working independently uh, without us just over them like hawks um, will really benefit their growth. So yeah, that, that's a real positive um, that we can do within leadership is to continue to let them go further and further out. With that, obviously, there are going to be moments uh, when I was walking with my dog that she would be really far ahead of me and I felt like I was falling behind. And we have to assess that as leaders, sometimes as we see others growing and as we see God blessing their ministry and their work and as they uh, get the credit for the work that they're doing, sometimes it will feel like we're falling behind. Sometimes they will feel like we're coming second. But as leaders, let us always remember that as long as we are empowering others to take charge, to take the lead, to come first and to get the prize and the cheering and to come out as the winner, yeah, let us, let us be thankful, let us be grateful that God has allowed us to equip someone to take the front, to take the first prize. And yeah, we, ha we have to have that, that desire to make leaders as being part of the job of being a leader as well. And with that, as we see, sometimes people will, you know, go ahead of us. And the, my dog was in front of me at times. Sometimes she'd get distracted by something in a bush. And then we have roadkill. So sometimes she'd go and sniff the roadkill. And so she would fall behind. And I was left to lead the way. As a leader, sometimes that will happen as well with our team. Sometimes our team members will get distracted. They'll fall behind us. And we'll have to keep, you know, going as at a steady pace. We'll have to keep everyone, um, I suppose, on track. We'll have to make sure that we continue the work that we were assigned to do as a team, regardless of whether our team members are distracted with stuff in the bush or they're, they're sniffing roadkill or something has come up and has, has halted their work. Um, or the responsibility that they had within the church. Um, yeah, as a leader, we will keep going. We will continue to fulfill that, that task that God has called us to do, regardless of whether our team members fall behind. Um, I know it can be a little discouraging working within the church, especially if there aren't many active members. Um, you feel like you're carrying everyone's load. It feels like you're the only one who, you know, manages to keep everything flowing and going and 
um, while other members have other stuff on that is taking their time. Um, so yeah, let us not forget as well that sometimes we have to be humble enough to to appreciate when others uh, are getting all the credit and all the recognition for work. But then we also have to be willing to step up um, and continue to guide our team forward when when they're failing, when they're falling, when when they have things on in their life that um, is taking time away from from the ministry and and from whatever tasks that um, yeah they've been assigned to work with. So yeah, they're the the tips, the leadership tips that I learned as I um, began taking my dog for a walk. Um, I hope some of those lessons are a blessing to you and maybe some of them are more applicable to your leadership and the way that you have worked uh, with teams in your church. Um, all of them really, yeah, resonated with me on, on many levels. Um, so yeah, so let's I'll just recap. So distance comes with trust. As we see that people are building that trust, as we see that people are, um, yeah, definitely proving themselves, let us not wait till, you know, they're a 20 plus year old member. Um, you know, they've, they've been tending the, the church for 20 something years. Now we can give them a role. Um, I'm so, I'm like just over the moon because we have put a young guy on at our church to do, to be the youth leader. Um, there's not many youth, there's two and they're his brothers, but the fact that he has been put in that position, he can coordinate it, he can direct it, he can just do so many things um, is really encouraging for me because he will bring a passion, he will bring ideas that we couldn't have brought as being older members. Um, so yeah, as they build that trust, as we can see that they are responsible, let's not wait till they're 55 to give them a position. Let's do it now. Let's be observant of, of what they're, they're doing and, and how they're behaving and, and how, you know, they're just wanting to get involved. They have that desire. Let, let's, let's help them fulfill that desire. Um, affirmation and encouragement. Um, it, it can actually bring so much life to people as they're serving God when we can affirm them on the work that they're doing, encourage them, thank them, appreciate them. Um, and when there's concerns, those concerns will be taken. Um, yeah, they'll be taken well because you've built up a relationship that is more than just let me find all your mistakes. And when we do have to approach them, let us approach them in a Christ-like way. Let us be gentle and kind and loving, but still be serious. Still express our, our concern as a danger, as as whatever that, that might be. Um, but yeah, let us let us not you know, um, let us not damage people because we just went with full steam trying to correct them and trying to point out their mistakes. Um, so yeah, don't scream at them, don't yell at them, don't be aggressive because that can do more damage. Um, and when they are doing the wrong thing, which is what I found with with my dog when she was going too far. I can either smack her and yell at her when she comes back or I found it more effective just to speak to her gently and to be like, come stay here and then give her what she desires, which was just a pat or a scratch. So let us do the same thing when we work with people. As they're making a mistake, let us draw them back to us with that trust um, and let them know, hey, this is probably going in the wrong direction. From what I can tell, this is what has happened previously and yeah, speak to them in that kind of way. Um, 
And yeah, we can work together with space and distance. So you can be a team and still allow people to have that freedom uh, to work in their own space, to work independently, to let their ideas grow and then bring them back to us. That's still working as a team. It's not like they're trying to take over or do their own thing. Um, working together can mean that we work independently as well. Um, and lastly, um, yeah, just remember as a leader, sometimes our team members will go ahead of us and they'll come up with awesome ideas, ideas that we wish we had come up with. But yeah, for whatever reason, God impressed them and that's the individuality that they bring to our church and that they bring to our team. Let us embrace them. Let us just continue to lift them up higher. Let us, yeah, bring them closer to the finish line so they can be first. Um, and when our team members fall behind, let us stay faithful to God, regardless of where they're at with their walk and for whatever reason that they're being distracted and, and they're not able to give the commitment or the full commitment and dedication um, that you may have thought that they would. Let us continue ahead. Let us not let anything stop this ship from getting to its destination, uh, which is fulfilling God's God's will and, and glorifying his name. So they're my leadership tips. Um, yeah, I, I hope that was a blessing. So until next time, my hope, my prayer, and my desire is that you stay warm in God's love, that you stay cool for Jesus' name, and that you stay on fire with the Holy Spirit. See you.